calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome to another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! We're excited to be back this week talking about so many things here on the show. Thank you all so much for the great responses we got on last week's show. And for those of you who uh, watched our uh, The Boys Season 2 review, uh, got a lot of numbers on that. So thank you so much for watching that. If you haven't watched it and you finished Boys Season 2 and you want to hear our thoughts on it, go back and find that review here on the Outlaw Nation channel on YouTube or find it on the Geek Buddies podcast feed. Uh, I am one of your hosts, uh, the Outlaw John Roca, joined as always by these two gentlemen. Please go ahead. I am the less illegal but equally as charming Michael Vogel. Outlaws, and this, yeah. yeah. And this has never done an illegal thing in my life, mm. Shannon McClung. <laughs> in America. In Japan, your track record is very long. Yes, yes. I'm, long. I'm not allowed back in the country. That's right. You're an international uh, international criminal, that's for sure. That, <laughs> that adds this show a little bit of edge to this show, for sure. Were you, weren't you Charlie Chaplin in Universal in, in Japan? 
Yeah, yeah. And he was he was a scandalous dude too. I just, I just had this I just had this vision of like a string of robberies with a American <laughs> and a Charlie Chaplin. I feel like this is a movie. I'm gonna write a movie about you, a young a young a young college age uh, white man who goes to Japan and commits crimes dressed in a Charlie Chaplin costume. Yeah, yeah it's so weird because all the security footage, the only audio they have is piano music in the background. Like, <laughs> weird. And quick movements, surprisingly quick movements. <laughs> Is that, what's your favorite, out of all the characters you've played at Universal, what's your one favorite one? Mm, probably when I played Austin Powers for the Bill and Ted Halloween really? show. More than yeah. John Connor. That's surprising. Well, I did. Jo- I was I was in the Terminator show for fifteen years. Okay, so it loses its luster. You were in the you were in the Terminator show as John Connor for the number of years that John Connor was alive in Terminator <laughs> Two. That, it, it was yeah. It was at some point because it was fun because I got to rappel out of the ceiling. But but at one point it definitely became a job. When I played Austin Powers for those two for those two Halloweens, you know yeah. that was. I don't know, that was like 20, 25 performances, 20 performances, something like that. So it never lost its luster at all. Like by the time, by the time we were done, I was like, oh, that was, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, Austin Powers, who doesn't love Austin Powers? Come on, baby. Yeah. I like when you you put on all the prosthetics to be Lord Farquaad. Oh, Oh, you did Farquaad as well? Yeah, that was, that was a trying, trying experience because... Uh, yeah, the amount the amount of uh, prosthetic appliances we had to put on it was it was uh, like ninety minutes of makeup wow. every morning, and so my call time would be seven in the morning, and for someone in their early twenties, seven a.m. Uh, that's 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 not a good hour. Oh, so fair. yeah, and and yeah, the pres- I, I as I've as I've stated before, I'm a delicate individual. My face <laughs> can only take so much <laughs> of having stuff glued to it for eight yeah. hours a day. Shannon is the one who talked me out of auditioning to be the mayor of Whoville my first year working at Universal. He said, the prosthetics, you're going to have to have it on all day. And then if you're sick, you can't even blow your nose. you got to stick a Q-tip up there to clean the phlegm out. You can't blow your nose because it'll mess with the prosthetic and you'll get in trouble. And I'm like, holy shit. So he talked me out of it. (laughs) I really want, in addition to my Charlie Chaplin Japanese heist robbery movie this is a I great idea also want to do a movie i want a christmas movie called the outlaw in whoville <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's what? gonna be i think it's gonna be a big hit guys i <laughs> think if you can put that who prosthetic on top of your on top of your outlaw mask <laughs> wow. Oh God, I want it. Oh Somebody God. Draw if that. You, Somebody draw if that. You, if you are a if you are a loyal listener and viewer of the Geek Buddies and you want this holiday season to see <laughs> the outlaw in Whoville, let us know in the comments and maybe we'll try and make that happen. This holiday season on the Outlaw oh. Nation channel. Oh, anyway. Anyway, we are not talking about any of that today. We're jumping into a lot of things. Uh, for those of you who are, who are uh, returning to the show, thank you so much for uh, being aboard the Geek Buddies train for as long as you have been. For those of you who are new, thank you very much for taking a chance on us. The way the show works is we each pick a geek news item pitch it or talk about it and the three of us uh discuss it for a little bit and then after that we take a little bit of a mini break for those of you who are listening to us on the uh on the podcast feed you'll hear our sponsors for those of you watching us on youtube there'll be about a five second gap and then we'll jump into our main topic and our main topic today 
is exploring all this massive news coming out about Disney uh, restructuring their entire studios to be around Disney Plus and what that means. And I think this is a really gift to have someone like Michael Vogel on the show and part of the Geek Buddies because as an executive, he knows the inner workings of what can go on in a decision like this and what the implications might be. So it's going to be a lot of fun to have to go into the ins and outs of all this, how it affects the theaters, how it affects other streaming services with Coming to America 2 now being announced to be streaming on Param- on, uh, on Amazon Prime literally hours after the Disney news drop. So we're going to talk about all of that in the main, main section of the show. But first, let's get into our geek news items. Uh, who's Who's up first? So yeah, speaking of streamers, back when HBO Max was announced, uh, they also announced that they were going to be doing a Green Lantern series, a live action Green Lantern series from Gerla- uh, from Greg Berlanti, from Berlanti Productions, who, as you all know, is uh, is sort of the guiding force behind the CW DC universe. Well, last week, they finally... Uh, uh, let loose some details, and these are quite a few. One, Seth Graham Smith of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter fame. Um, <laughs> he is going to be showrunning the series, and he's writing the pilot, actually, with a writer named Mark Guggenheim. And again, you guys probably know who this guy is because he co-created Arrow. He co-created Legends of Tomorrow. He also had a hand in 2011's first uh, big screen uh, effort of Green Lantern. That one didn't go so well, but these guys are back at it again. And so they released this information. And to me, I don't know about you guys, but it sounds awesome. Like the show is supposed to be a saga spanning decades and galaxies and will feature a host of Green Lanterns, the galactic police officers that patrol the known and unknown universe. The show will focus on Earth-centric lanterns, Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, and the original Alan Scott, along with Alien Lanterns, Sinestro, and Kilowog. Hmm. Guys, it's got a 10-episode commitment. Um, I am insanely excited about this story, but what do you guys think about the details we have about Green Lantern? Mike? I think it sounds super exciting. Uh, A couple things that I think are really interesting. I love Hal Jordan, I love Kyle Rayner, I love Jon Stewart. I think it's really interesting that none of them are in this. And I don't know if that is because they're earmarking them for more of the feature treatment or whatever it is, but I find it really, really interesting. I, If I was being honest, I think it is probably that. I think that there mm-hmm. is a level of let's make sure that these three we kind of keep over here because we want to maybe choose one of them for the feature treatment. And that does also mean that maybe, again, I feel like we say this every time. I don't know if this is a connected universe or not. I don't know if this is its own thing. I don't know if this is tied to the Arrowverse. I don't know. But I do think that the choice of these specific lanterns, the two things that really strike me as interesting, three things that strike me as really interesting. One, because they say that Kilowog is in it, because they say Sinestro is in it, they say they say this is the most expensive show ever known, that I think that we are going to get a pretty galactic Green Lantern. Like, that I think that even though I'm sure most of the action will take place on Earth, I feel like this is a show that is going to span. It's not just going to be, I got an alien ring and here is my Earth-based adventures and bad guys that I fight. Like, if it's the most expensive movie they've ever made and we know we're going to get to see some alien Green Lanterns, it feels like we're going the distance and this is going to be on par with a Mandalorian or something else as far as just the level of effects that we're going to get. I think the choices of the Lanterns are super interesting. You've got... Mm -hmm. Uh, Alan Scott, who, at least in more recent history, is a gay lantern. Yes. You've got a Latina lantern in Jessica Cruz. You've got a Muslim lantern in Simon Baz. And you have the most misogynistic, asshole-ish, 
most people in the current climate that we live in of social justice think would be bad choice in Guy Gardner. And I think that those all combined is interesting. I don't know that, I'm, I'm curious as how much they're gonna interact. It does say that it's a show spanning decades and Alan Scott definitely predates these other lanterns. So I don't know if we're gonna see all these lanterns working together. I don't know if this is going to be a time travel thing. I don't know if we're just gonna see them in different eras of the Green Lantern world. Like it could be anything, but I think that given those choices, we're definitely gonna be dealing with a lot of the uh, issues that we're dealing today as a society. Um, you know, we're, it's definitely not an all-white crew of Green Lanterns, so I think that we're definitely going to get into um, just some, uh, you know, identity issues, some diversity issues, some multicultural issues, some LGBTQ issues, and so all that is like, it's my favorite thing to get into. So I love having all that in a superhero show. So I'm super excited. Yeah, uh, I, I can't echo Michael's excitement more. I mean, to me, this is some, I'm, I'm trusting this team to bring this together. And of course, we have kind of someone involved in this team that we're excited and cheering for to make this happen and make this be a success. Uh, and so it's exciting. Um, they talked, I, you know, I think another reason they kind of, kept out Hal Jordan, kept out. There's this real crazy possibility of people talking about Ryan Reynolds coming back to do this character again, to possibly play Green Lantern in a better situation, possibly play the Hal Jordan version, even though we all think he's miscast for the most part as Hal Jordan. Uh, it would be interesting to see if they could redeem him in some way or redeem that film in some way. And I think it's Martin Campbell who's directed some really good films and some not so good films, but they could redeem that film or what have you. And it would be interesting down the road, depending on his contract with Deadpool, if that's possible. The other part of this, which is fascinating, is exactly what Michael brought up. I love the fact that we're spanning multiple decades, multiple lanterns. We've got different uh, uh, people of color involved here, different religions, different faiths. Then you've got Guy Gardner here, who's the ultimate white privilege asshole, possibly MAGA guy that they could play with here to cause a lot of the conflict within this group. I don't know if they're going to come together as a team. I don't know if, like Mike said, it's going to happen in different decades or different times. I don't know how this is all going to work, if they're going to bring them all together, but I think it's brilliant. And it's got, I think I agree too, that they're keeping the other three for the possibility of weaving them into a movie. And of course, there's been rumors for a long time that Warners is working on a movie with Hal Jordan and John Stewart, where Hal is guiding John uh, into being a Green Lantern. Is that going to be the room? Do you want to see, are we in a place, uh, Mike and Shannon, where a white, older white man is guiding a black man into, you know, there's this kind of thing now all of a sudden that might have a weird look to it, or PR wise might be the, might not be the most positive spin. So how do we fi uh, uh, fit uh, uh, Kyle into this? I don't know. So all of that is out there in the room. So I, ima I imagine they're setting up this universe to connect it out into the feature film universe as well and to get you get to be able to we uh, seamlessly go between both. And we're seeing this with the GCPD situation here with Batman and we're seeing with Peacemaker connecting up to the Suicide Squad. So this seems to be a pattern that DC is laying the groundwork for. So for me overall, as a fan of Green Lantern, and I don't know if you, you see Rebirth up there somewhere, like the, which Michael gave me for one of my birthdays, I'm a massive fan of this idea of Green Lantern. I love Green Lantern as a character and the Green Lantern core itself. So this excites me on a, a lot of levels, and I hope they get it right, and I'm glad that it's only 10 episodes. We're not going to drag in that CW 22 episodes. Nothing against that, but there are times where some of those episodes are straining to get to that 22 episode mark. 10 episodes, yeah. HBO Max, brilliant. And could, sorry, Mike, real quick, could connect back up to Justice League as well in some way, in some shape or form. I don't know. But either way, being on HBO Max created this whole idea yeah. of a universe being centralized there and branching out. I was going to say, I know we're going to be talking about streaming and movies and everything yeah. uh, and, what, and what the streaming services mean for movies. But just to your point really quick, I think one of the best things 
that has come out of streaming services rise to prominence is the 10 to 13 episode season. Mm -hmm. I I love it so much. Yeah. I you I, my all of our favorite shows from the days of, you know, syndication where it's like a 22, 26 episode season, yeah. you definitely get a couple runs in there where you're like, you're scrambling, like you're stretching. <laughs> yeah. And a 10 episode season is just a thing of beauty. It makes me so much happier. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I also think, you know, the best part about Green Lantern as a hero, uh, if and a lot of people, he's, you know, he's definitely one of people's tops because it's all about willpower. It's all about yeah. what it means to be a hero. And I think that having so many different characters from different backgrounds who have very different struggles mm -hmm. in one show, it's going to be less about what does this one what makes this one person special and what makes all of these people special and seeing mm -hmm. like what uh, I would assume depending on when we see him, like a closeted gay man maybe, or a gay man dealing with homophobia, yeah. uh, to your point, sort of the ultimate white privilege guy, uh, a Muslim, a Latina woman, how does the idea of willpower, of overcoming uh, great obstacles and, and the ability to keep going, uh, mm -hmm. how does that reflect itself in these four very different lanterns? I think that's just a really, really cool area to explore just from a writing standpoint. I think there's so much yep. you can do and having them all in one series and contrasting what that means, like what Jessica Cruz is dealing with and what Guy Gardner is dealing with, you could not be in two further apart lanterns. Yep. And so I think yeah. that's going to be a really interesting thing to look at. I, I'm mm -hmm. super stoked. I, you know, we, as we all know, when it comes to the DC stuff, I have my, uh, my, my struggles my struggles in the thing and some of yes. the choices they make and some of the things, but it's ultimately yeah. because like I, from a, from the back in the day, like I was always more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. Mm -hmm. Like the DC heroes have always been like my favorite favorites. And so I feel like everything I'm hearing about this show so far uh, makes me feel like they're just going down the right road right, of getting right. Green Lantern right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, as you guys have said, we don't know when, in time this story takes place because you have four four characters who could be from four different time periods i i i am so jazzed to see this show i really wish uh that that the timing would have worked out that it would have been the thing that launched hbo max because i think you would have seen yeah. i think you would have seen uh, uh uh interest on the level of like disney plus and the mandalorian even though obviously like star wars is Star Wars as a property is probably a little more popular than the Green Lantern character, but the spectacle that is probably go that's going to have to go into this show, I think automatically people would have been so jazzed to sign up for HBO Max just to get this series. Yeah, and nothing says we can't introduce John Stewart or Kyle. Uh, Kyle is it Rayner? I'm sorry. Rayner. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Rayner uh, in this series as a launching pad into something else, or have whoever they're going to cast if they do bring back Ryan. I mean, it is not beyond. The realm of possibility of Ryan Reynolds show up in this movie or in this yeah. series, rather, in my mind, I think it's absolutely possible for him to be a part of this thing. It would be fun to see him be a part of this thing yeah. uh, overall. So why not? And uh, expand the world out more than just the Green Lantern Corps. Are we going to get, uh, you know, certainly we get Sinestro and Kilowog, but who else are we going to get that's in the Green Lantern universe to play some of these villains and what have you? What's the overall arc going to be? So there's some excitement in, in here. And uh, Mike, I know this is Berlanti and, and Shannon, your thoughts on this too. Do, do any of the CW characters, what's the contract situation there with HBO Max CW? Like, can any of those characters cross over and be part of this universe? Or are they only lining themselves up to the uh, DC universe as it stands now in the feature film world? I wonder. I mean, my guess is that this show is going to be just from a 
production budget-wise, that it is going uh-huh. to be significantly higher than the CW, that they probably will not blend those two universes. Okay. But that's that's just my guess. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with Shannon. Let me ask you guys really quick before we move on. What mm-hmm. is your uh, which of these four lanterns? has you most excited i i think it's like it's not a, it's not a jump to say that alan scott is the one that i'm the most excited about so i'm gonna stick with my stick with my gay brother there but which are the two that you are which yeah. are the ones that you're the most stoked for i mean i feel like i know john's answer he's searching for it right now um i'm i'm curious i'm curious about guy gardner i want to see like because he is known to be such a bastard that's the answer oh look at that <laughs> He's known to be such a bastard. I'm like, how are they going to frame this? Are they going to frame I, him as a hero? It, it, I will say Guy Gardner makes me the most, uh, I, how do I say this? I think Guy Gardner in a DC universe is great. Like surrounded by a bunch of other heroes, having that guy that's kind of your asshole uncle that you argue with over the Thanksgiving table about all the political issues because he doesn't say anything right is he's a fun character in the world of DC. Right. In the current cultural climate, mm-hmm. choosing Guy Gardner is definitely a choice. Yes. I don't know how they would make that choice without having a plan to tell a story, but like right. having your having your shitty white guy in your show, like he's the shittiest of the white guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, that could, and that could turn into a huge bonus if it's handled right. Like if, if, yeah. if we watch his journey and it kind of speaks towards where we are in the world right now and where a lot of people mm-hmm. are, uh, that could be really interesting. But it could also be one of those things that you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's what was great about the Justice League International run. He is a, such a jerk off in that in that series. But there are moments where his humanity comes through. There are moments where he listens to other people in certain situations and reevaluates himself. So if yeah. we've got that, that kind of is peppered throughout the series, I think that's important, too, because, look, what we're trying to create, in essence, down the road is the idea of unity, right? So we're going to have to learn to live with the with this kind of thing and figure it out and work together. And I imagine they're going to let Guy Gardner be Guy Gardner, but they're also going to find moments to veer him back to the middle a little bit and take a look at some of these things and reevaluate his positions. Jessica Cruz ain't going to take no guff. That's for damn sure. So, she, you know, she's Latina and young. She'll call him out on everything. And I think that's brilliant. And she's, she's really the one I'm looking forward to as well to see how she weaves into this yeah. uh, story and how much spotlight they put on her because you could argue that amongst the most well-known lanterns, she isn't in the top three. So let's start focusing on her, building her up, and put her into that top area so that she can be one of those one people look forward to. And I think bantering with Gardner will be the way to go. A, she's a, a person of color, and B, she's a woman. So that's all right. that's those are those shots right there with Lantern. Uh, I'm mean, sorry, with Guy Gardner that I think will be interesting to see their back and forth. Remember, some of the best back and forths he had to that just the international run was with fire and ice and so yeah. that that'll that'll be fun to see if they if they weave some of that in uh to to, to be part of the story uh and of course the alan scott story we i i mean i'm thinking to myself of the watchman of watchman rather and uh the hooded uh, guy his story and how yeah. they did a really good job with trying to show you the depth and complexity and the nuance of a story like that and it's not just like Yes, gay people are great. It's there was more, and I want to see that kind of thing explored here too. More of a human approach to it, rather than just a rah rah approach to it. So sure. I'm excited. But, and and sure, ten episodes, but, make it happen. But, but gay people are great. 
Yes, of course. I mean, of course. But why, Michael? I want to know. It's exciting. So we'll see. And and we're a long way from seeing anything from this because they haven't even announced a cast from what I understand, uh, Mike and Shannon. But, uh, I mean, we're excited. The three of us are definitely excited to see what's coming. Yeah, Um, definitely stoked. All right, what's our uh, second uh, uh, right, topic? Here? So, uh, continuing um, the era of the streaming superhero, uh, we got some other really exciting news last week coming out of uh, the virtual New York City Comic Con. Yes. Uh, Amazon Prime premiered the official teaser trailer for its upcoming animated adaptation of Robert Kirkman's uh, second most popular comic after Walking Dead, Invincible. Um, which is going to be on the streamer. They didn't say when, but sometime in the next year, so sometime in 2021. So I'm going to read you the official description because if I talk about why I love the comic so much, I'm afraid (laughs) I'll spoil some things. Uh, So what the official (laughs) thing is, is uh, Invincible is an adult animated superhero show that revolves around 17-year-old Mark Grayson, played by Walking Dead Stephen Yoon, who just like every other guy his age, who's just like every other guy his age, except that his father is the most powerful superhero on the planet, Omni-Man, played by J.K. Simmons. As Mark develops powers of his own, he discovers that his father's legacy may not be as heroic as it seems. Uh, Invincible, for those that don't know, is one of the best superhero comic reads out there. Like oh, buying yeah. buying the volumes of Invincible, buying volume one and reading it all the way uh, to the finish is just, it is a great, great ride. It is so good. It takes all the things that you love about the superheroes from the bigger universes like DC and Marvel and kind of distills it down to this really beautiful story with really funny weird characters awesome superhero action and kind of takes a lot of the things that you think about the superhero universe and turns it on its head yeah um when i was at sony television i tried to get the rights to do invincible met with robert kirkman and uh and circle of confusion when i was at hasbro i tried to get the rights of invincible and watching this trailer i'm really glad i didn't because amazon prime is doing it in its full glory like this is definitely an adult series it is a violent series when you watch this trailer you see animated blood and guts and not in like the dc animated movie way where it's like a little bit of blood like you see things exploding the boys style but with cartoons um awesome characters amazing cast in addition uh to steven yoon and jk simmons uh we've got sandra oh seth rogan jillian uh jillian jacobs andrew rannell zazie beats mark hamill uh, Jason Manzukis, Mae Whitman. I mean, it's just a full cast of amazing actors in, an, in a show that just looking at it, the animation style looks completely kick-ass and amazing. So clearly, I'm excited. What do you guys think? So I've never read the books. I know of the enthusiasm. I know they are widely loved. I know both of you guys really enjoy them. Just yeah. basing it off the trailer, I was sort of meh. Because I was like, I don't know what... I mean, the, the thing that I took away from it is like, hey... The guy looks like J. Jonah Jameson, and then J.K. Simmons' voice came out of his came out of his face. Um, based just off the trailer, and maybe they are withholding some of the story so as to not give away some of the some of the plot twists that are coming up. But based off that, I'm like, this seems like another superhero show. I, I'm like, I don't know what makes this one different right now. Again, I'm gonna check it out because I know how much you two guys love it. But just off the trailer, for someone that has no knowledge of the property, I don't think this was the trailer that's necessarily going to get them viewers. Okay. Well, I think the trailer, and I hear your point, absolutely, Shannon. I think the trailer was done to give you a taste of the animation. 
and to give you a taste of the story, but not a full taste of the story. Because, I mean, the stuff about him being a high schooler wasn't explored as strongly as I would like to have seen in the trailer. But I think what makes it unique is this idea of this is a father-son relationship. So it feels universal. They happen to have superpowers, but this is really about a father-son relationship. And as Michael said, uh, the idea of discovering, and all of us have had that experience when we one day wake, like we have that moment or that experience where like, oh, dad's not always right about everything. Like we have those experiences. So, and there's uh, there's other things uh, that they might have done. We saw it in Black Panther, right? When he had to, yeah. when he found out about uh, his father's uh, treatment of his brother and the son uh, that was born out of that relationship that his brother had with a, with an American woman. So we've seen that and what that, how that can affect a superhero. So now we're seeing it at a younger age as opposed to an older age that T'Challa was. And what does that do? Plus, this is a brutal. Uh, looks very clearly also like what I mean, giving you a taste of story as well, showing you that there's going to be some blood in this, some brutality in this that mirrors what you see in the comics or they're not. They're not uh, doing a sanitized version of this is going to be an authentic version of this. Kirkman being involved from the beginning is a positive on so many levels and the response to it has been great. And I like that it's an unknown quantity for those people who are outside of the realm of, of comic book readers. This is kind of an unknown quantity. So what are you going to discover? What are you going to see here? So I take your point. It's you they want to get, Shannon. Mike and I are going to watch, but it's you yeah. they want to get. So if it didn't appeal to you, then that's maybe something they're hearing or thinking about. So when they come back with the next trailer, it'll have a, a more fleshed out uh, approach to the story. Although I hope how do I say I hope it I hope, I'm not teasing, I hope they do not revealing yeah, too I hope they do and they don't because to the point, uh there are a lot of twists and turns to Invincible. Like when it yeah. first came out, it was kind of to John's point, it is kind of what the trailer was. Like when it first came out, it was a really cute, fun superhero story about this kid whose dad is basically Superman, who has known it. There's no secret. Like yeah. his mom is human, his dad is Superman. He's been waiting to hit puberty because he really wants to get his powers. And he gets them and he starts kind of stepping into the family business. And it's really cute. Uh, and then, you know, however many issues in, there's a big twist. And then a couple issues more, there's a big twist. And then a couple issues more, there's a twist that reverses the first. Like, there's just twists <laughs> upon twists upon twists. And so, having been uh, an avid reader of Invincible, I can definitely attest that if they're even going to keep remotely close to the comic book series, mm -hmm. uh, they've got seasons worth of stories with tons of characters that are super fun takes on characters that you know from the more familiar comic book universes plus some uh really unique different characters and uh enough interesting things to say about someone's development and what it means to be a hero and someone's journey literal hero's journey um that i think they'll definitely keep the viewers so i kind of feel like this is one where Look, they know they're making it already. They're already animating it. Um, I'm not sure if they anim I'm not sure how many episodes they ordered at the beginning. If they ordered enough for one season, two seasons, but this is definitely one that I think will have an audience that grows over time. There'll be the hardcore people that love Invincible, like me or Johnny, that are going to watch it right away. And then there's going to be the people like you, Shannon, that watch it that might be like, "Ah, eh, let's check it out." But I think we'll be won over pretty quickly, uh, especially when they start getting into the bigger story stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and highly recommend from us. Yeah, absolutely. Get the first volume. Uh, my friend Mark Riley gifted me the first volume, uh, and I tore through it. And uh, after the trailer came out, I read a bunch of it again all over again, just kind of reacquaint myself. I have not gone further past the first volume, so Michael talking about other volumes excites me to come and dive into those as well, just yeah. like the boys did. The boys hooked me, and I've been reading those and trying to catch up as much as possible. So, um, all right, that's uh, so we'll see what happens. And, th and we, that's coming out soon from 
because we've already seen the animation, sometime right? Sometime in 2021, yeah. Sometime yeah, in 2021. 2021. Yeah, definitely. And, of course, I host shows uh, on uh, SEN, which is connected to the Skybound owns uh, SEN. So uh, it, we're, we've been heavily promoting it as well. So i got to admit that right off the bat. Uh, but that's my own personal opinion that I like this thing. All right, uh, let's move on to our last uh, geek news item here uh, in the first block of the show, and that is Gal Gadot. And Patty Jenkins, the news broke that they are teaming up uh, to do Cleopatra, another uh, movie of Cleopatra for Paramount. Um, It's a historical drama, and Paramount Pictures apparently won the rights to the project, and they beat out Apple, Universal, Warner Brothers, and even Netflix. Even in a time of streaming, Paramount was able to uh, beat out Netflix. Uh, Gal, Gal Gadot will uh, you know, try on this role of Cleopatra that Claudette Colbert did way back when, and Elizabeth Taylor did uh, in that legendary uh, interpretation with, with Richard Burton that did well at the box office, won four of nine Oscars, but almost bankrupted a studio because it costs so much to make it. I don't imagine that will go down the same path with Patty Jenkins, who's known for bringing stuff in, stuff in under budget uh, and on time. So it's a smart move business-wise to put them together for that reason, as well as the fact that you're reuniting Wonder Woman with her director to do something new. However, uh, there's already been some issues around this casting of uh, Gal Gadot in this uh, part. You know, people are saying, well, this is a an Egyptian queen. This is a Greek, actually with Greek origins. Uh, and none of those are involved with Gal Gadot in her origin. She's Israeli and doesn't have this other background. So people are, are already coming for Gal Gadot in, uh, for her taking on this role. And of course, the intention is to play Cleopatra is not this seductress, but rather more in the realm of how they portrayed her in Rome, that she was a woman who could handle her business, run an empire, was politically savvy, and yes, hooked up with the people she hooked up with as a way to keep her uh, uh, kingdom alive. So there's going to be a way more active approach uh, to this Cleopatra. It's being written by Aleda Calagridis, who did Shutter Island, which I don't like, so it doesn't excite me overall. And a couple other projects, like Alita Battle Angel, I didn't walk out of that film going, what a great script. Uh, and uh, a couple other projects that don't excite me necessarily. So uh, I don't 100%, uh, I'm not 100% excited about it because the history of Cleopatra, but uh, and some of the complaints about her being cast, Gal Gadot being cast. Plus, Gal Gadot hasn't shown us that she can carry... Uh, a movie outside of Wonder Woman, some of her other projects where she's been a lead or co-lead have not done well at the box office. So I wonder if this is stretching uh, her abilities here, uh, but you got to give her uh, props for, for taking a chance to try uh, and do something here epic and maybe even go for an Oscar. So uh, what do you two gentlemen uh, think about this story and some of the backlash that has uh, accompanied the casting of Gal Gadot? Well, as far as the the team of mm-hmm. Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot, I mean that's 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 a good team. Like yeah, I think true. we've seen in the past that you will have an actor, a movie star, whose acting capabilities might be a little limited, but they get they get paired up with a director who just gets them, and you have a fantastic career. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. best movies are with James Cameron. Right. Uh, you, you can argue Vin Diesel with David Toey with uh, Pitch Black. Um, I think that Patty Jenkins Gal Gadot pairing that's a good pairing like uh, Patty Jenkins knows what she has knows what she has to get out of Gal and she knows how to do it Um, because I do agree with you John I mean outside of Wonder Woman she hasn't led a film before in the things that I've seen her in which are not a ton I saw a little bit of her Fast and Furious her first Fast and Furious movie and I was like oh she is 
bad. Yeah, that's an ensemble uh, piece. Once you get past <laughs> Vin and, and Paul Walker, it's re- and yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, maybe it's an ensemble piece. Yeah. And yeah, there was the John Ham oh, movie. She was that Yeah, that was another really, really bad movie. Um, but but I don't think a, a director like Patty Jenkins would 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 go back to the well with her if she didn't think she could get what she needed to get. Mm-hmm. In terms of her casting, yeah, man, I don't know. <laughs> Just because Cleopatra's ancestral origins, mm-hmm. I believe were were they Greek and Northern European? Macedonian and Greek. Macedonian, yes. Macedonian and Greek. So, ah, man, I don't know. I mean, I uh, that that that's that that's a that's a risky one for me to to risky waters for me to wade into. <laughs> I, I personally wouldn't don't see an issue with it, but again, I'm not the one that it's that is being affected by it. Yeah. Uh, well, it's really funny. I mean, you know, just like in a quick Google search today, there's like 95 articles today that you can read about the ancestry of Cleopatra and what <laughs> we think she probably looked like. And she might have looked like this, and it depends on who yeah. her mom was. But if her mom was from this group, she probably had darker skin. And if she was from this group, maybe she would look like it. Like there's a thousand articles. And I think to me what it really boils down to is this. Hollywood... The entertainment industry in general, and Hollywood specifically, has a long history of showing anyone from the Middle East that is heroic as a light-skinned person. Yes. And anyone from the Middle East who is bad as a dark-skinned person. Right. And almost because Cleopatra's uh, ancestry is a little bit up for grabs, I think we're far past the time where another light-skinned person needs to play her. Like, the people who want it to be Gal, the people who are excited about the team-up, the Wonder Woman team coming to do another movie, are going to, like, flood you with articles about, well, if her mom was from this and then she was from here, and if you track the lineage, then I think she could be like... I don't actually care what she really looked like. What I care about is we are past the point where the heroes in Middle Eastern stories need to look like us and the bad guys need to look like somebody else. And if you really want to do a movie about Cleopatra today, go ahead and assume that she looked like most people in Egypt do. Like, you know, I think there's no problem (laughs) in saying, there's no problem in saying, I have this great idea for a Cleopatra movie. I want to show Cleopatra, everything John just said. Mm -hmm. I want Cleopatra to be this badass woman who controlled the country, knew what she was doing. Sure, she used sex in her body, but it was all in the... Like, everything you want to do with a Cleopatra movie is great. There are dozens, if not hundreds, if not even more actresses out there who could all do that and do it amazingly well. Mm -hmm. So I think that I would like to see a movie about ancient Egypt that didn't look like The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. I want to see a movie about ancient Egypt that looks like, oh... You can have all the people, the good guys and the bad guys, and none of them have to look like I do. Like, yeah. So that's kind of where I stand. I don't, you know, I, I get that she's Israeli. She's from here. So they're all trying to be like, guys, it, it works. Right. It's okay. See, we did it. <laughs> it's okay. It's like, I think that you might be, you might be by the letter of the law. Yes, you've cast someone who is from that part of the world, but you're still doing the thing we always do, which is light people good, dark people bad. And let's mm-hmm. just not do that anymore. Yeah, I think you make an excellent point, Mike, that that's really the undercurrent of this whole thing is that people, regardless of of um, ancestry or whatever, it's about another white woman. And you get this, look, I get, but the director's white, so it's like this kind of thing of like, are we going to go into Cleopatra? And I get it. You're, and, and Patty, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a gal pitched it on her Twitter and said, you know, be, it's being told through woman's eyes. And it's like, yeah, but we have to start moving past this idea that just 
getting any woman to do this story is enough. No, we have to start actually moving past that into getting the right women, get a women of color. If you're going to tell a woman of color story to get from that region, get women of color to be involved in this, to tell this story correctly. Like that's the kind of thing that we need to move past. I get it. Gal Gadot wants to be a powerful feminist. And that's, she is very much that and representative of that with Wonder Woman, but there's also missteps that have littered her intentions at times to do good deeds. Certainly we saw that with that Imagine video. Uh, and she's owned up to it, to the Vanity Fair article. She's very open about it, didn't run away from it or anything, which I appreciated. Um, but like you look at the situation, yeah, this feels weird, you know? And uh, I think Calagrita sounds like a Greek last name. So I imagine she's got Greek heritage in her, so she'll be respectful of the story of Cleopatra. Uh, but I, I don't know if Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins um, were the right choices out if you're looking at it from uh, the idea of being ethnically correct or ethnically well, uh, um, right in choosing the stories. Now, they're the right choices financially, but are they the right choices, you know, overall? I don't know. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, this gets to the point. I mean, it was several weeks ago, I think we were talking about John Boyega and Lucasfilm and the Star Wars franchise and everything. And right. Like, I think we kind of got into a discussion a little bit about uh, well-meaning but unintentional racism. Like, yes. I think that everything about this is well-meaning. I think Gal had a good idea. I think Cleopatra is a huge character that is in Hollywood history, one of the big, you know, Elizabeth Taylor's portrayal is like legend. So it's like yeah. doing a doing a modern day Cleopatra is a great idea. Doing it as a feminist story uh, that is a strong female story is a great idea. Yeah. Patty Jenkins and Gal, they came out guns blazing and Wonder Woman is by most people's estimation, the best of the DC films. Yeah. So do, do I think this is a winning team financially? Yes. Do I think to Shannon's point, they are a good team together and Patty gets the best out of Gal? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of reasons why this is a great idea, but then you just get to that one final sticking point of like, you know, well, what did she look like? And because Cleopatra's lineage is a little bit shady, it allows everybody to kind of feel okay with making certain choices. Right. And I think this is where we just need to err on the side of being a little bit more responsible for the world that we live in right now. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, there may, there may be enough of a backlash because it's being covered of, under a number of articles that this that there are some changes or this goes, uh, you know, this is another one that gets put in turnaround because Angelina Jolie had been uh, uh, trying to shepherd a Cleopatra pro project to fruition with Warner Brothers as well. And uh, they haven't been able to get it done. It's still in motion. It's still, you know, being worked on. And from uh, uh, Mike Fleming Jr. over there at Deadline, who broke this story about this, he said from what he hears, Eric Roth is still working on the script for that movie. So this may be a Truman Capote situation, a Armageddon Deep Impact situation where we have two movies about Cleopatra kind of steaming towards the finish line to see who's going to get there first. Uh, and that could be interesting because the rumors are it was Jolie or Lady Gaga for that Cleopatra, which both choices to me are wrong, in my opinion, uh, I mean, for so many Gal other reasons, you know? Again, like, and not that I think Gal is the <laughs> right choice. Gal is a better choice than either of those are. I 1,000% agree. 1,000% <laughs> <thousand percent laughs> agree. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break. Yeah, and of course, we're going to hear more about that as it goes along. And if it actually happens, uh, we'll keep tabs on it. But uh, all right, let's take a quick break. Uh, and then we'll jump into our main topic, talking about streaming and everything that's happening now with studios and uh, going forward in the future. We'll be right back after this. I'm sorry. I had, I had just... something. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to set it up, for God's sake. Like this, this is your bit now. You need to come yeah. each week ready with your bit. Right. If you don't you get, have your bit. Yeah. What are you doing oh. on the show if you don't have your bit? 
you gotta I, have your bit. I started to hum "Walk Like an Egyptian" from the Bangles, but I want to make sure I wasn't gonna piss anybody off. <laughs> very well, very well. All right, well, so we're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Uh, our, our main topic today, and I think it's the topic that's been consuming a lot of people who are talking about the stuff going on in the world of entertainment. You know, we've been hearing uh, Michael and Shannon for the last few months about all these films getting pushed and, and moved around or, or, or being sent to streaming and all of this stuff happening now. We were kind of like living in this place of wondering who was going to make the first big, bold decision about this uh, situation that was happening for studios, for theaters, uh, for moviegoers, and for movies and, and producers and what have you who make these movies. And at the end of the day, Disney, of course, the big dog in the yard, kind of made this strong decision to absolutely restructure its studio to focus on streaming, to focus on Disney+. Plus. They have over 100 million subscribers across all their plat streaming platforms, if you include Hulu and ESPN+, Plus, uh, as well as Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus being uh, almost 70 million uh, subscribers right now, almost well over 60 million for sure. So with all these uh, uh, sh uh, films being uh, shuttered or being pushed or being postponed or being postponed indefinitely, uh, Disney made a very strong decision to make these changes. I think Kareem Daniels is the gentleman they've chosen to take control of this now going forward. They're streaming stuff, their release schedule for their films. All of this now will be centered around streaming. Bob Chapek, remember who replaced Bob Iger, is in control of this. Bob Chapek, who, is very, who has a long and successful track record as a direct-to-consumer person, steps in, knows exactly this playing field, and has been put in charge of all these divisions to have them go in one direction to try to achieve success for Disney here. So, this is massive news, and then a few a few hours later when this story dropped, Coming to America 2 was announced to be going to Amazon Prime. Uh, that was supposed to go out in Christmas from Paramount. Now it's going on to Amazon Prime on December 18th. It's going to stream. We had the announcement of Soul being, going to Disney Plus uh, now on Christmas. This is massive news. I go to Michael first on this one because, Michael, you're the executive. You've been in these meetings. You've been in these ideas. of. You've been around this. Uh, these executives. Maybe you know some of these executives, executives involved in the situation and all these changes that are going on here. What was your reaction to the news? And second, what do you think the implications at this point um, are for movie going in general and theaters and studios? Well, I think it's funny. I think you know it, the 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 news. The news came out. The announcement was made, and instantly on Twitter, I saw a lot of people. A lot of people we don't know. A lot of people we do know. Friends of ours. You know, we're never. There's never going to be a Marvel movie in the theater again. Uh, <laughs> Disney Disney animation is going to be like like there was every every version of this. I think that all. I don't think it means as much as everybody thinks it means. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think it means as much as everybody thinks it means. I think it means that Disney is saying this. We're going to make a bunch of movies, and then we're going to decide where we put them. And some of them will go in movie theaters, and some of them maybe won't. I, I don't think it's this entire shift to say that we're going to now see Star Wars movies and Marvel movies and Disney feature animated films premiere on Disney Plus before they go anywhere else. I, like, yeah. I don't think that that's really what they're saying. I think what they're really doing is a couple things. One, they're allowing themselves the option to do what they're doing with Soul. Like, they've made the announcement and right. because nobody knows when movies are going to open again. 
Because, yeah. like, the fact of the matter is, like, let's just take a step back and talk about, like, coronavirus. Like, I was reading on the AMC bankruptcy article, and this was <laughs> this really uh, this really fascinated me um, that, uh, you know, with because, like, there are movie theaters that at this point are open in America and around yeah. the world. Uh, globally, I know a lot of the theater chains were really upset with Disney about this Soul news because yeah, yeah. they were banking on Soul coming out internationally in the theaters that are open, but in territories that have Disney Plus, it's only going to be on Disney Plus. So it's the the reason that things are so bad is basically because of New York and LA. Yeah. Um uh AMC has currently uh had more has more than 80% of their US theaters open, but because there's a lack of new films coming out because Hollywood is basically shut down and because LA and New York are shut down, um let's see uh 23% uh the the 17% of theaters that are in New York and LA and the places that aren't open yet mm -hmm. uh generate 23% of their domestic revenue. Like it's a bigger like there's a huge chunk that comes from the huge movie going public in the cities that just yeah. isn't there. So with these things not open and things being uncertain, Disney is just allowing themselves the option of hey, these movies that we have we might choose to do this. Yeah. Uh, but I think the other reason they made the announcement was it was a couple weeks ago that we got the news that they were shut. They had to they were going to let go 28,000 employees. Right. Because the parks are going so bad. So, mm -hmm. you know, all the news about Disney was, uh, you know, the parks that are open are open to limited capacity. So they're not making the money they should be making. Disneyland and California Adventure aren't open and nobody knows when Gavin Newsom is going to let them be open. Right. Um, and Disney kind of came out and said, we're going to have to fire 28,000 people. That was all the news stories. Everyone was like, how can this giant corporation do this? It's horrible, whatever. Ever since this was announced, the investors are happy. The stock went up. Yes, 5%. shifted. And the story has shifted to Disney is now paving the way for what we all knew was going to happen. And look at how right. smart Disney is. And they're the ones that are going to do this and whatever. So I think a lot of this is like a little bit of PR spin. A lot of this is here's something that everyone is going to have to do because who the fuck knows when movies are going to open. Right. And we have this outlet and we're still going to make all the movies we make. It's less that they're making movies for Disney Plus and they're just allowing themselves the option that when a Marvel movie gets made or a Pixar movie gets made or a Star Wars movie gets made or a Disney family film gets made, they yep. can look at it and then all the executives can sit in a room and be like, you yeah, know, what do you think? Theaters? Yeah, maybe this is a Disney Plus. Yeah, let's do this on <laughs> Disney Plus. And they're just buying themselves that option, which just is good sense. It just yeah. makes sense that they, they have that. Um, you know, in the in a lot of the articles about the Disney Plus of it all, there's also the point, and I didn't really think of it this way, but they were like, "Look, I think here's how I think of it." Which is funny, they're talking about box office and movie grosses versus subscription services, and you're like, you know, we talk about it like you, the three of us, go to movies all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably dropping what 14 bucks to 18 bucks to go see a movie at least once a week, mm -hmm. uh, if not more. And you know, we all go get our friends to go see movies, and so you look at that box office gross. For a movie that comes out, you see that it made X number of million dollars, opening, 100 million opening weekend, 150 opening weekend. But they're like, but the way a subscription service works is every family is paying 12 bucks every month. Right. Consistently. Right. Nonstop. It is a steady stream. It's not a spike on a weekend and then let's do the next one. It is just a steady stream of money that is just coming in week after week, month after month after month. So I see the logic of it, but I don't think ultimately it's going to uh, – destroy movies the way that some people on uh the internet are proclaiming that it will <laughs> yeah what do you what do you, what do you what do you fall on this one shane well i was gonna say along with like say you have a movie that comes out one week and it makes a hundred million dollars mm. um the studio doesn't get all of that i mean and that's that's the that's one of the differences between right. theaters and streaming is the streaming you know disney for disney plus they, they're they're making all that money that is all right into their pocket 
um, versus theaters, like you have to split that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I was, again, not shocked that that announcement was made because I think in terms of what they can do as a business, this is something actively that they can do right now. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you can't force New York and L.A. to open their theaters. Like it's going to happen when the governor's say it can happen you can't force gavin newsom to open up the theme park so in terms of just uh uh manpower it's like yes you we might have to lose some more people but this is something that we can actively do as a company right this second um and even if the theaters were open in new york and la like as we've talked about i've driven out of los angeles county where some movie theaters have been open they're not crowded. Like a yeah. lot of people don't go. And, and part of that is definitely when I'm going, I go during the week when kids are going to be in school. Right. But also, you know, I, I saw Tenet twice. There is nothing else out there. Yeah. I mean, right. uh, a couple of theaters are doing sort of those classic screenings. Like I know theaters are showing like Hocus Pocus. They're, yeah. they're showing classic movies for, for, for a reduced ticket rate for like $5. But after a while, it's like, OK, if there's nothing new, there's there's no reason for me. There's no reason for me to pay five dollars to go see something that I that I might own and is on streaming. Right. Um, I, I, I don't think this spells the end of movie theaters, but with the AMC announcement, because I don't think they, they haven't filed. Right. They haven't filed. for Chapter Not yet. 11. No, um, I, I do think it 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 is a cause for concern because I don't think we've seen an industry on the scope of movie theaters go away in our lifetime. Now I'm, I, I might be incorrect, but, I, but I don't think I am. Um, yeah. I mean, movie, movie theaters are a communal experience and right now could communal experiences aren't, aren't always the safest. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, we were waiting for, as I said earlier, someone to make the decision, Michael, you brought it up the idea of, well, uh, why isn't anybody doing something? Why is it boom? Somebody made a decision. Okay, now we have finally a decision being made, and we can start like uh, adjusting our expectations and our policies and what we can do with stuff and what to expect. Now we can start moving forward. That was a thing that I think frustrated people over the last eight months is this feeling of like quicksand because right. they didn't know what to do. Like they didn't know what was going to happen. Now we understand. And I think this, and I think you, I take your point on how people are overreacting and say, it's the end of cinema. You know, we'll never see it. It's not true. I think, I think what, you know, and I said this a couple of years on, on, on Collider Movie Talk and I repeated yeah. it multiple times. I was and I've said it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like the, say, you've actually been calling this for a while. And I think you, the future that we're looking at is probably exactly what you've been saying and what you're yeah. about to say. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's going to be tentpole pictures and the smaller films, the independent films, they might have a home. If you have a dollar theater in your area, or maybe you're the only theater in the area, maybe, maybe there's one theater that can survive and kind of break even showing these kind of medium uh, budget films or, or, or lower budget films, independent films, what have you. Maybe. But I think for the most part, those films are going to go straight to streaming. And this is Disney saying, look, we understand the consumer wants this. Bob Chapek said that in a statement to CNBC. He said, we're following the lead of the consumers. And that's what a good CEO does. He understands. And he's he's had eight months to kind of look at the track record of how families have reacted. And I think that tenant thing was a huge wake-up call for the industry. They was like, no, nobody wants to go. They don't feel safe. We got to make money. Uh, and I think it was their their investor was one of the highest investors in Disney. I can't forget, remember the gentleman's name, but he spoke out. He's, he's 
considered this activist investor, which is a new term I'd never heard before. But he was pushing Chapek. He was pushing Disney to make a decision to veer towards streaming. And now that they've done that, their stock prices went up, as you mentioned, Michael, 5%. Uh, the reaction has been overall positive from investors in Disney because all they care about is can we make some money with these stocks? So Chapek making these adjustments is smart. They're lucky. And I I wonder if Disney, in a way, was prescient with this by removing Iger and putting Chapek in, who's a direct-to-consumer guy. They're not putting in a guy who has no experience with it. They're putting a guy who has a lot of experience in it. Maybe they were looking at the landscape, doing their own internal surveys, their own internal uh, research, and found that people were veering towards streaming more and more because it was cheaper. They could stay at home. They didn't have to pay a bunch of money for refreshments. They understood and there was a reason that we were having something like movie pass or a list or any of these other things to because theaters were suffering to get attendance into their theaters uh overall and we're trying to make money off refreshments and what have you so certainly maybe they saw ahead of time what was going to happen and they've made a decision now i imagine the other studios are going to follow suit you mentioned chapter 11 with amc amc right now is in very very precarious waters because who wants to invest in a sinking ship, in essence, and all this lease and all this land and all these buildings that have to take over if there's no product coming into these buildings or these theaters in the next six to eight months, why would you invest? It was different at the beginning of this whole pandemic. They were able to get a lifeline, like $500 million or something like that, to stay afloat because people thought this was going to end at some point and people were going to slowly come back to the theater. But now they're seeing very clearly that people have adapted and human beings adapt to any situation you put them in. Uh, and they're going to find their entertainment how they find their entertainment. And streaming is the way now. So I just think this is all going where we're going and eventually we'll get the great big pictures up there but most of the time people are going to be quite fine sitting at home you can go to costco right now and buy 700 dollars 65 inch 1080p television and enjoy and get a sound system for 250 bucks and you're set it's an investment if you're if you're not have that much money but you're set for the rest of the time and you can enjoy these movies comfortably in your home i think yes i think that's true but and I not catch think- covid yeah. I mean, and not catch COVID. I, mean, I think the COVID is really, what I'm really curious to see, because I think what everyone is doing and what Disney did and what everyone's going to follow suit doing is, you know, we've been doing, you know, the Hollywood shuffle for months yeah. now. Like every three weeks, one of our geek news items is, well, this movie got pushed to here. Nope, the Marvel movies are now pushed a year out. Well, right, nope, right. June was going to be the big movie in December, but now it's next October. Like, it's mm-hmm. just a constant stream of let's move a few months and wait and see, move a few months and wait and see. And that mm-hmm. is just a disaster for everybody. It's a disaster financially. It's a, for the studios. It's, a, uh, I mean, for the, for the theaters who are banking on something that then gets pushed back again. It's a disaster for everybody. We have friends who are marketing these movies. I have, uh, you know, one yeah. of our really good friends is the one who's responsible for all outdoor advertising who has a panic attack every three weeks because he has to go like reshuffle everything all over again like there's just it is a constant stream of like that's not working so calling the ball and saying for the foreseeable future and like for example with disney uh they we know that there's no star wars movies coming out right now for a while there's none that have right. even been greenlit so they've got mandalorian they're they're good they're, uh, they announced that obi-wan is going to start shooting soon yeah. so they're kind of taking care of like star wars is we're going to wait and see marvel they push back an entire year for this exact reason yeah. um so that we're not going to get black widow on disney plus because at least for now because it's it's far off out there um <laughs> really cur- a soul they called the ball on that we i right. think i was wrong i said i couldn't imagine them doing this with soul and then they did it 
they're really cool though. They're doing it on Christmas Day, which I mm-hmm. think is a really great PR move for them. Yeah. Because to be able to wake up on Christmas Day and watch the brand new Pixar film and market that as like, here's our gift to you, super smart. Yep. Um, and then the only other kind of bucket in the Disney uh, pantheon is Raya and the Last Dragon, which is their mm. animated feature film that was supposed to come out early next year. And so curious what they're going to do with that. Is that going to get held onto? Are they going to wait and see and push that out? Or is that going to be another Disney Plus one? And I think right. because they made this announcement the way they did it, what they've done successfully is if they do choose to put Raya and the Last Dragon on Disney Plus, it is not going to come across as we gave up. Because I think yeah. the big thing right now is when these studios are putting stuff on streaming, there's a little bit of, ugh, we guess, well, we'll take whatever money we can get. I guess we'll do this. But right. now, Disney, this is their strategy. So it's not going to be a surprise if they choose to do that. And I mean, with do the other studios. Think, no, go, do you think that had anything to do with the performance of Mulan? Maybe. I don't know because Mulan was already getting mixed reviews before it came out, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think there was a lot of trouble around. Let's say Tenet. I think there was a lot of trouble around Mulan, and with Tenet, it wasn't one of the most accessible Christopher Nolan films. So they oh, this is what they had to go on, right? And I think if they had tried to drop Black Widow or tried to drop Wonder Woman eighty four to see what the reaction is, I think you'd have, you'd have had a better idea. Uh, but I don't imagine the results would have been that different. I mean, people I, take their lives pretty seriously and they don't want to risk it necessarily going to see a film. I think where Mulan might have been important, uh, reviews aside, is yeah. from a financial standpoint, what they did with Mulan was let's do this Disney premiere thing and let's charge right. 30 bucks for it and let's see how much money we get. And I think, and I don't know this at all, and I'm horrible with math, so I could be way off here, but I think the calculation they kind of did internally was, well, if we do this premiere thing moving forward, and Soul and Raya and The Last Dragon and whatever else is a premiere thing, and we're gonna charge 30 bucks for it, how much money do we think we're gonna get versus if we just put these things out on Disney Plus, how many more subscribers are we gonna get? Mm -hmm. And I think the ultimate, math on this is if if putting it you know if putting it up at 30 bucks makes us x number of million dollars but getting this many subscribers because they know they're going to get this content first run goes this many million we're going to do yeah. that and that's where we got this result like that's yeah. where we kind of got this answer because you know like anything that's a disney or fox release can go straight to disney plus anything right. that's universal can go straight to peacock and anything that's warner brothers can go straight on hbo max i mean you know we you mentioned coming to america too but that new version of the witches uh yeah with, um and uh, Anne hathaway. Anne hathaway yeah and hathaway and um octavia spencer that was supposed to be a theatrical release, right. I believe. And it's right. on, you know, and it's coming out and I'm super stoked for it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that the big winner here, like if we're really being honest, like I love movie theaters. Mm-hmm. You guys both love movie theaters. And I think that we're still going to be able to see movies. I think that once we get sure. past COVID, once there's a vaccine, once we're all comfortable being out in public and can go sit in restaurants indoors again and go to movie theaters and go to gyms and go to Disneyland and my life is back to a normal gay man's life, <laughs> um, I think that we will still be able to go. There might be less movie theaters. The movie-going experience might be different. They might have to offer different things to entice people in. So there might be a complete... Which they were already doing, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might become a more premium experience like... um, What's the one over in Westwood where you can yeah. go and you sit in the big seat? The iPick? Oh, the iPick. The iPick. Like, movie theaters might go down that road of like, we'll get to 
five years from now, 10 years from now, and mm -hmm. every movie theater that exists is an iPick, and there's less movies coming in, but it's a more uh, sort of deluxe experience, and we all go do that for those, and to Johnny's point, we get other movies on streaming. I mean, but I think the biggest winner here is, kind of to Bob Chapek's point, and to what you were saying, Johnny, the biggest winner is the consumer. Yeah. Like, the quality of entertainment that we have gotten in the past few years, if you look at the qual, and we talk about it all the time, you talk about the quality of Mandalorian. We mm -hmm. talked about Green Lantern being the most expensive show that they're ever gonna make. You look at the quality of like Game of Thrones, last season aside. Right. Uh, you know, you look at like the witches. You look at that we're getting a Pixar movie. You know, you look at these things, and as long as um, you know, not that it's geek news, but the trailer came out today on Netflix for that um, the adaptation of that book, Hillbilly Elegy, which mm -hmm. is a Rob Howard film with yeah. Amy Adams and Glenn Close. I mean, that's high profile, and it's going to be a Netflix release next month. Yeah. So the fact that we get feature quality performances, feature quality special effects, feature quality writing, feature quality directing in our living room yeah. is great and the studios just giving us that right now when we can't go to the movie theaters is good for all of us and like i said i think that movies aren't going away they may just evolve theaters yeah, yeah. which is life right life is evolution life is evolving nothing the only consistent thing in life is change i mean jeff goldblum um, says it jeff life Goldblum finds a way it. there it is thank you movies movies find a way <laughs> you didn't stop to think that you should. You, that you should. Uh, right. Uh, you were I mean, so busy I, making the movie that you didn't stop to think if you should make the movie. <laughs> uh, but you know, and I think we're going to see streamers start to possibly even step up and buy some of these theaters down the road to screen their stuff in, and we're seeing the Oscars adapting quickly as well. You know, changing their requirements. And Universal doing that deal with AMC where it's a 17-day window now as opposed to the 75-day window, which a lot of people were upset about a few weeks ago. Now studios are looking at it going, well, I think that might not be the bad way, it might not be a bad way to go. Uh, and we're seeing the Oscars make these changes where films just being screened in a drive-in can qualify now to yeah. be considered uh, an Oscar nominee. So there's so many uh, everybody needs movies to survive in this industry. So they're adapting to the changing landscape for what it is for now. And you're right, Mike, maybe down the road, uh, when we start going back, it'll change. It'll kind of revert back to a little a version of the normalcy that we had before. But I don't think we're ever going back to what we had before. I think people have adapted and they're able to watch. I mean, if you start to get quality content at the house, I guarantee you a lot of people won't, won't want to deal with the, the, the fucking traffic and the parking and yeah. the people sneezing on top of you, opening bags in the middle of emotional moments. I think a lot of people would be like, I'm good. I'm actually I good. Know. I mean, I think you're, I think that's true, but like, I'll give you a different analogy. It's like, yeah, we, we can, I can Postmates dinner from almost any restaurant in LA right now. Mm -hmm. And I can mm -hmm. get like really high quality food and eat it in my living room. I still like going out to a restaurant. Like it's two different things. I think that we sort of discount the to Shannon's ass point. Uh, the experience. Ass point. Uh, to Shannon's to Shannon's point. The experience. <laughs> I don't know what I said to Shannon's ass point, and I'm like, I have no idea where that is. But I mean, okay. Speaking um, of the life of a normal gay man, yes, go ahead. <laughs> has my but, uh, has my ass has my ass been talking again? Yeah, but I mean, whether it's whether it's the way that we do it sometimes, which is I know a rare thing, but like you know, you and sixty of your closest friends going to right. see Rise of Skywalker or Avengers Endgame and kind of having right. that whole group in the theater going to see a movie on opening night with a bunch of people, uh, an entire audience full of people mm. laughing at something that's really funny, or 
you know, a first date or going with your best friend. Like right, I right, went right. through a really bad breakup. I, 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 was, I was thinking through this the other day as I was sad about movies. Went through a really bad breakup and Shannon McClung took me to see Madagascar 3 and I had... It was the first time that I laughed since the breakup. Uh, you know, I in college. Europe's most remember, wanted. Yeah. In college, I remember getting really stressed out about my Japanese final and going to see Bugs Life in the theater by myself. Like, I think that there is something about going and sitting in a movie theater that I think will never fully go away for people because True. there's an emotional experience as a, in addition. So I do think that that will continue. But you know, like I said, I think we're getting. We're getting top quality entertainment at home, and that ain't bad. Well, I'm, I, I liken it to sports, right? You can stay home and watch the game in HD. You can, but some people like you love the experience of being in the stadium and being with other people. I just think those people now who who were kind of cursory in that camp uh, will go, will like stay home now. That's what I, I think. Anyway, we're well, sorry, Mike. What were you... every, every single one of our friends listening to and watching this just heard you say that people like me like being in the stadium to watch sports, and they all just rolled their eyes and said, Vogel doesn't go to a stadium. No, no, but I mean, like, you know, the communal, <laughs> the idea of a communal yes. experience. But And I know someone, some egghead somewhere, and I wish I was smart enough to do this, is working on a program right now that would connect up other people's televisions so you can actually have the communal experience at home where you have a camera on yourself, the audio on, uh, and you're watching it, and everyone else is watching along with you. And I don't mean a Netflix watch party because sometimes you, you you lose track of where you are, you pause or whatever. I mean where the movie is actually showing and people are dialing into a, a, kind of a version of a Zoom call and they're all watching it together yeah. and listening to their friends, enjoying it with them from the comfort of their home or recliner or what have you. So you, you're in essence replacing the communal experience with a version as close to uh, as you can get in a virtual experience. Someone is doing that right now. Hell, if, Oculus if, should be working on that right now. If I could have a picture in picture on my screen of like watching a movie that I've already seen, but watching friends who haven't seen it, right, right. I would I would love that experience. One of my yeah. favorite things to do when I when I've kind of uh, hit hit a bit of a roadblock with writing is I'll go to YouTube and I'll uh, search for Endgame Heroes the Theater oh, Reaction. Yeah. I love watching those I love great. watching people freak out over mm -hmm. moments in movies. Yeah, those are great for sure. I will I will actually get together with people and go sit in the theater. I'll, I'll prefer that over my picture in picture. So I will, <laughs> I will hold out. I will hold out for that. Okay. All right. It's it's not an either or. <laughs> it's a healthy alternative for the that's moment. That's fair. That's fair. Absolutely fair. Um, all right. Well, that's this. I think it's a good place to wrap up. And I'm sure we'll have more stories coming down here. We'll start to hear more movies. I, I really think. Oh, yeah. Here, One last thing real quick. Real quick. Um, odds that we'll see Black Widow streaming on Disney Plus before the end of the year. We'll hear an announcement before the end of the year. No. No, you no. think you guys think you guys think they're going to save that for the theater? Yeah, and they, I mean they've moved. I mean, had they not had they not already announced that they had moved the entire Marvel uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. movie Phase Four uh, into next year, then maybe. Oh no, no. But... My question is, do you think they will put it on Disney Plus streaming? You will get the announcement that it's coming to not that it's coming out this year, but that it's coming to Disney Plus streaming instead of the theater. A couple of months before, like in March. Okay. Do we think, well, I think it would depend on it would depend on the landscape. Like if things haven't okay. improved. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why. Yeah, that, that yeah, I take it back. Like I was actually, it. I'm assuming that, and I could be completely wrong in this. 
I'm assuming that by April of next year, yeah, uh, we are in a place where there is potentially a vaccine that is being distributed. Cases have gone down. It's safer to go out. I think we'll still be wearing masks. I think we'll still be doing a level of social distancing. Mm. But I think we will get to a point where, as a country, we feel better all together, everybody going out and being a bit uh, more open while still being safe. And I think if that's the case, I think that things will go according to plan and Black Widow will be in that group of movies Mm -hmm. late April, May, June, getting into next summer where we will have a, our our Geek Buddies story will be the triumphant return of movie theaters and people are actually going out again. If we don't have a vaccine, if cases continue to go up, if we are just sort of fucked and we don't know what to do, then yeah, I think they will say that the Marvel movie, by that point, they'll be like, look, I think we're going to release Black Widow on Disney+. Plus." Yeah. All right. All right. Just thoughts there. Uh, All right. Well, thanks everybody for watching this episode or listening to this episode of the Geek Buddies. We always appreciate you guys and your patronage of the show, either with views uh, or support on the Patreon as well. It's always great to have you all aboard and our Geek Buddies numbers grow bigger and bigger every week. So thank you all uh, for sharing the show or talking to your friends about the show. We couldn't Thank you enough for uh, uh, building up the show piece by piece, step by step, because we know we got a damn good quality show here with some great perspectives. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, it's Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, is at MK2. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at The Roca Says. Uh, Mikey? Uh, look, if you like the communal experience of enjoying <laughs> us every week, we would like to continue that. Uh, and we could use your help. Um, so definitely uh, click the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page, leave some comments down below in the comment section. We love hearing what you guys think. Uh, and if you are listening to us on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, definitely rate us, rank us there, leave a comment. It helps us go up in the ratings. Uh, post us on Twitter, post us on Facebook, text your friends. Tell them about us. Say the numbers are going up. And if you really want to get this thing going and see the Outlaws Outlandish Adventures in Whoville streaming this holiday season, we need to get those numbers up. fair point fair point fair point absolutely Uh, well there you go not much more to add to that just subscribe down below please follow me at the roca says as well for all the stuff that's going on and please watch the other content we have here on the channel shannon and i have been doing a few reviews michael and i reviewed mulan so we've got other content here on the channel that you can enjoy that's connected to the geek buddies uh, in interesting ways and of course there's sports and politics happening on this channel as well so a lot of stuff to get involved in there all right thanks everybody for watching in this episode and we'll talk to you next time or listen to this episode and we'll talk to you next time on another episode of the geek buddies Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.